Turn it now. I want to make sure it's charged. Is you using a phone or? Yeah, I have to. For some reason, I'm, I'm me, trying to do it on the computer. You want, me, you want me to rotate my phone? I could rotate it. Hold on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is this better? Yeah. Hold on. How come you can't see me though? Not letting I you do it. it. Is this I'd better? Rather not, I'd rather not hold it if I don't need to. Okay, it's working for you. On your end, is it working? Is it show is working? Locked. Okay. Either way, we'll, we can do it straight. It's fine. Okay. All right. Then. The only <laughs> thing that's challenging is that I set up all of these links that I did research for. But either way, if I have to go out of it for a minute, that's fine. I just want to see what happens if I go. Just so you know, I'm doing this from my phone. So. Okay. All right. All right. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Today, we have a very interesting guest on the show. Um, Anas, I don't even know what your last name is, but uh, it doesn't really matter. You can give it to me or not. Welcome yep. to another episode of the Soothing Semantics Podcast. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky, and I am a former Israeli soldier. Whether you like that or not is a separate conversation, but today we are going to interview a Palestinian-American from Brooklyn, where I grew up, and we're going to go into the conversation we will probably disagree on certain things. We'll have agreements on certain things. We sat for three hours, uh, what was it, maybe a week and a half ago, mm -hmm. trying to get an idea of what we both think and how we both understand the conflict. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get an understanding of both sides. So, so Anas, thank you for coming. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Look, to start, I don't see a problem in debating this discussion because in the Palestinian community, we want to give our side of the story so people can decide for themselves since we're in a free society in the West uh, and the world at large to decide who they want to side with. Do they want to side with the Palestinians or the Israelis or they want to be neutral? It's up to them. But if they give them the full story, the full picture. Uh, so uh, how you want to start this? It's up to you. I'm just seeing future. if I can get a phone stand. Pretty sure. Here we go. I found it. Perfect. Okay. This is exactly what I needed. So I got a little tripod for my phone, so this way, because while it's charging, I can't rest it down. Hold on, one right here. So I know, I understand that you, by the way, I watched the video you posted yesterday. Yeah, I posted it yesterday. <laughs> um, so I sent it, as you saw, I, I posted it to a couple of people's, uh, yeah. of people's accounts. Tough to do. Um, okay. Hire your volume a little bit because I, I, I could barely hear you. Hire it a little bit so I can hear you good. Sure enough. Uh, your volume is good. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So, in terms of the history of the state of Israel and Palestine, we're obviously yeah. going to go through it. You have a very strong history on, on World War One and World War II. Okay? That's something you mm -hmm. know, quite frankly. Um, in terms of Israel, Israel becoming a state, right? My outlook mm -hmm. in my is that as much as you're, uh, the Arabs in the British Mandate of, of Palestine were the majority, you didn't have a flag and a government. Now, again, you had a majority group. Jews were a very small minority at the time. 
However, when the Jews started to migrate in the late 1800s, that's really where the problem was for the Arabs. Of Yo, it's cutting off a little bit. You're, st- you're talking, but the audio is cutting up a little bit. Like on my end, I don't know if it's your end. I could, could hear be. you, but but when you talk, you, you, you like there's like one word in the sentence that's missing. Like I'm me? getting what you're saying. I hear you, but when you talk, like let's say you say a sentence, right? One word of the sentence will just like not. Um, I can't hear it on my end. Like there's one word, like you say, like let's say what you just said uh, about Jewish immigration. I didn't hear the, the other part, so it just goes a little slow because because the audio is you know I don't know what's going on. I'm not. Can you hear me now? Now it's fantastic. Now it's good. Okay, I think it was because it was resting on my on my computer. Okay, so so the and and mind you, a lot of what we're going to say, you and I, are things we both already know. But remember, we're talking to an audience. Okay, if the if mm-hmm. there, whoever isn't in the live will be watching it afterwards. Okay, okay, so the 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 story was the British had rulership over the land which was called Palestine. Mm-hmm. It was known as the British Mandate of Palestine. So the majority group were the Arabs at the time. Mm-hmm. And mostly after the Holocaust, the Jews started to come in droves to find a place to be. Right? And as you know, there was there was Argentina and Uganda's proposed land. And mm-hmm. I'm the Zionist at the time, figured that it made the most sense to settle in the land that we lived in. Very long. Now... Mm-hmm. Not to go down a rabbit hole, but you always like to mention how the founders of Israel, many of them were either atheist or were communist and whatnot. I do hear that point in terms of them not necessarily being religious Jews. Mm-hmm. But if what's funny, though, is if we had religious Jews founding the land to the same degree that we have religious Palestinians, it very well could have been even more radical than it was with uh, secular Jews. Uh- I disagree. You know why I disagree? Because if you read the Torah, because the kingdom of Israel, had, if you want to talk about Israel as a state, like history, history wise, it was there for three times in history. You had the time, obviously, when, when David came and he fought the Canaanites and then he established the state of Israel and he ruled with justice. And there were people there before the, because we could look at this through many ways, right? You could look at this through the religious angle, the historical angle. There's, it depends how you want to look at it, right? If we're going to look at the religious angle, in my opinion, we're going to have some issues. If you look at it from, I think it's good to look at, look at it in all angles so everyone can get a bird's eye view. So, so there won't, they won't be any missing pieces to the puzzle. So let me look, let me, let's start, because my video was about the uh, historical uh, of mod- uh, state of modern Israel, how is modern Israel came to, uh, came to be. But what people don't get is that thousands of years ago, you had the kingdom of Israel, right? You had the kingdom of David, right? That was the first kingdom of Israel. And then you had the, uh, what's the other guy's name? Herod, the Herodian period. Then after that, you had the collapse of the kingdom of Israel. Now, what do I mean by this is if you go back thousands of years to when the Torah was revealed, the, the values, those values, those Jewish values, in my opinion, are more closer to the Islamic values. Why Why bring bring this up? Because I didn't want to do a, what you call it, I got you, but when it comes to finding the state of Israel, right? If you're going to say that this is a Jewish state, which most Muslims, uh, maybe you could help with this because I, I, I hinted at it in the video. Muslims and Christians and Arabs in general, when you say Jewish state, what does that mean? Because we see different types of Jews in the current land right now. You have the secular Jewish atheists, right? They say that their ethnicity is Jewish. Then you have religious Jews and they follow the Torah, the Talmud, and the Zabur to the T, and it's a mixed bag. 
for example, the current government, in my opinion, uh, in my opinion, to be honest with you, I compare them to ISIS, the, the, not the whole Israeli government, the ones that are like Ben Gavir, and there's this other white guy. He said that Ben Gurion made a mistake. He didn't kick out all the Palestinians. So when we talk about Jewish values, it's, it depends what kind of Jew you ask. And when Palestinians sit and they, you know, are uh, in the middle of this, they ask themselves, what is a Jewish state? Because if you go to a Muslim, right, and you ask him, what is an Islamic state? They say Islamic state is Quran and Sunnah. You have Muslim majority countries, yes, but today you do not have a Muslim country that is following the Quran and the Sunnah uh, as it should be followed. You have fringes, like for example, we see what is happening currently in Afghanistan or in Iran, uh, but it's not 100% enforceable. So today, if, I, if, you, if you were to, tell, to say, is there an Islamic state today being ruled by Islam? No, there are Muslim majority countries. So I would classify Israel as a Jewish majority country, not ruled by Judaism, because Judaism has laws and regulations. So for example, Saturday, no one is allowed, according to the, I don't know if this is a tradition or part of the religion, allowed to go out on Shabbat. But you have Jews who use the buses and, and use the cars or drive around or whatever. So the question we need to ask, what is a Jewish state and where do the Palestinians fit in all this? That's Very the good. first thing we need to ask. The second question. I already have a lot you, of questions, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm, okay. Yeah, go ahead. And the second question I'm asking is because you say that you and Tal said the two-state solution is dead, right? So in business, you have something called counter-offer. We have not he heard any counter-offers from the Israeli side. What are you going to do with the other two million Palestinians? You cannot keep them in the current situation because these people, they have been in the land. They are part of the history of that land. They are tied to the land. They are not going anywhere. And you cannot treat them how, how uh, you cannot treat them the way you are treating them currently with occupation, with checkpoints, with walls, with no state, with no rights, because then we're going to keep fighting on, on and on and on. And both sides are, are very, uh, um, when it comes to honor, when it comes to dignity and history, they are uh, very hard headed. Uh, and the, we Palestinians are very hard headed in that way. And that's why you see, for example, the rise of new militia groups or you want to call them terrorists. That's fine whatever floats your boat, but these groups are uh, coming out of the West Bank uh, right now. This real, is, yeah. Real quick, don't get yeah. distracted by comments. What I want to do, because I, I just saw someone comment, let's yeah. keep the conversation rolling between you and I, because certain things might come up. Someone might say something wrong. We'll come up in the end. We can bring up questions in the oh, end if they want right. to talk about it. If you want to do that, it's your show. However you want to uh, pull it around, pull the but, strings. But, but, but the second question, because right now this is the post-Oslo generation. This is the generation that's born after Oslo. All these people that are dying right now, they want to call them terrorists, freedom fighters, whatever, whatever floats your boat. They're, these are people, are, they are between the ages of 16 and 25. Why is this happening? This is happening because they see, number one, they're pissed because they're being oppressed from their perspective. They're being oppressed. Uh, military occupation, no jobs. The government is a garbage government, the Palestinian Authority, garbage government. They see nothing being done. So th the best way for them is to deal with oppression is through violence according to the palestinian side because we they want to create a two-state solution they want to be free because they cannot live under occupation under checkpoints under ap ap apartheid and i know you're, you're gonna think there's gonna be no apartheid but a perfect example is hebron i strongly suggest we talk about it if you want what's going on in hebron right now uh, i've watched a video from aj plus about it and it's it's, it's crazy what's going on in hebron and now the new government, in my opinion, we're going to see a lot of problems in this year. Uh, we're in a new year right now, 2023. I do not want to see war or, or killing like last, like two years ago. La two years ago was a tragedy. 
And to get a taste of what happened two years ago, I want your opinion on this. And then after that, I'll give the mic to you. Is on live television, a Palestinian Arab living in Tel Aviv, Yaffa. He was lynched on live television. This was on I-24 News. They brought it. And everyone was standing around, not doing anything. He was lynched by an Israeli settler. Or, uh, or uh, I don't know what kind of is, well, his political leanings were. That, happened, were, but that he, happened a it, lot. That happened a lot on both sides, and it happened a lot yes. more. It happened a lot more on the other. Two side. years ago, but I was surprised it happened in the settlements. I I, I expect this to happen, but in Israel, pro, in proper Tel Aviv, I was shocked to see this. Now, this is what I tell people. I tell people: imagine if you saw, let's say, in 2021, you were to see a Jew being lynched in Baghdad or in Damascus or in Beirut or in Cairo or a black person being lynched in Georgia or in Alabama. How the news would cover it differently. But since the Palestinian being lynched, and this was allowed under the Netanyahu government, because Netanyahu, he went to war against uh, Hamas over a lot of reasons, because of the uh, what happened in, during Ramadan, when they attacked Masjid al-Aqsa, and Netanyahu, in my opinion, used uh, religious sites as a political tool to stay in power. So we have to dive into this. In my opinion, we have to look at, like I told you, we have to look at this through all angles, number one. And number two, to understand each other. And number three, to understand that the political situation right now is very, very, very futile. Like, it is not, it is not a joke. We are, in my opinion, because I've studied the historical uh, significance and hist uh, historical process we're at right now with the ingredients we have, the Israeli radical right, and we have Hamas, and we have the Palestinian uh, anger against the Palestinian authority, we are on the verge of the Third Intifada. If, if people do not get it together and and calm down and come up with a just solution this year because mm. things are we are we have the ingredients for a TNT explosion right now so you could take it from here if you want right okay so there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack mm. we can either we'll, we'll go into the history at some point uh, but currently the the challenge is there are so many chicken and egg situations Israeli soldiers might kill Palestinians. Palestinians kill Israelis or Israeli civilians or soldiers. It's a constant back and forth. The thing that a lot of anti-Israelis or people that aren't pro-Israel have this idea, and I think this is a, a psychology concept where when they see soldiers in uniform, they see them as these robotic people that are being sent by some foreign colonial government. The Jews that put on uniforms, I was one of them, we have a belief, a very strong belief, and we have a love for the country the same way you do, where we want to protect it. And this notion that we're just coming in and trying to kill people is not the way that most Israeli soldiers look at it. Does some of them have a vendetta? Does some of them have family or friends that were killed and they go into a village and they're angry and they want to kill someone? I'm sure it happens. Um, because at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, they're human. For the most part, I can't speak for Palestinians. I can tell you that most Israelis are tired of the fighting and want something to actually change. However, however, many Israelis are right-wing because they want the land to be ruled by the Jews the same way Muslims want the, the land to be ruled by Muslims, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of Al-Aqsa, that's extremely holy to you. The Western Wall is extremely holy to us. But from our perspective, Al-Aqsa is on top of the holiest place in the world for us. The, the Western Wall is not the holiest place. So we look at it as Islamic conquest of our holiest place. We've, for peace, kept it there. No one's destroyed it. It's been there. And obviously you have that fear that this government or some other government will want to actually blow it up and take it over. Now, could that happen? Only God knows. That's not something I'm looking to do. That a 
religious government might be better for the peace of the country. And the government right now is the most religious government has. Now, I know you, Chris, at the end of the day, they have the best interests. And mm -hmm. in terms of Ben Gvir, you know, Ben Gvir has that picture of Baruch Goldstein on his wall, which I definitely don't agree with. But mm -hmm. the uh, Ben Gvir and certain other politicians, I don't know the idea of uh, kicking out the Palestinians, but from their perspective, they're trying all of these different, we're trying all these different ways of doing it. Hamas has a clear charter to get rid of Israel, to actually eliminate it, get all the Jews out, or, well, I, I read the charter, mm -hmm. but if they don't mm -hmm. kick the Jews out to at least allow the Jews to stay under Islamic rule. Mm -hmm. So, at least feel that if we agree to some sort of one-state solution or even a two-state solution, if there are Palestinian factions who have an absolute goal of eliminating Israel, that two-state solution is only a way to kind of get enough land to continue to kind of further that process. I have an article I was reading about this, part of the charter, mm -hmm. that talks about this, that says, hopefully, if we can get some land, if we can actually get, say, 30% more land, for instance, we're still going to further our goal of taking Palestine. And that's, the, that's the fear that a lot of Jews have. Go on. Yes. Okay, so let, let's unpack what you just said. So, for example, you said that the uh, that the Temple Mount, which is called in English, you guys call it, is holy to you guys, correct? We don't well, see it as a we don't see it as a conquest. So, for example, let me give you the religious, the Islamic point of view. So, the Islamic point of view, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu went from Mecca on the Burak, the horse, to Masjid Al-Aqsa, and he prayed that as the head of all and all the prophets were behind him, or Moses, Abraham, Jacob. Ismail, Ishaq, all the Arab prophets were prayed behind him. And that was the signification of passing the torch of being a messenger and uh, spreading this uh, monotheistic message, Islamic message. And they passed the torch to him. That's number one. Number two, in Islam, we believe all the prophets were Muslims. So Moses, because they're teaching the, 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 the uh, message of monotheism. There is no God, but God, and they are the messenger. And so let me so, yes. one the same way that a lot of people don't care about the, the Torah's validity of us having the land of Israel is the same way a lot of people don't necessarily hold value about the horse and, and Muhammad. Now, I know to you, that's an in your mind, that's an absolute fact. You don't debate for a second that it happened. If the Quran says anything, you, you believe it is true. There's archaeological evidence of this. This isn't just, oh, we believe blindly. Horse. We have the, his footprints there. We have, have the, 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 yeah, continue. You're saying there's evidence of the flying horse no not the, the footprints of the prophet muhammad sallam, is there in the dome of the rock there is a place where there's a certain smell to it you could see his footprints his footprints were on the rock and after he went to uh, paradise and also the evidence for this is it's in the record in the hadith if you read the hadith when the prophet muhammad sallam, came back from jerusalem the the, the 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 arab tribes made fun of him basically saying oh this guy he's a liar look what he's saying he's saying in one day he traveled from mecca to jerusalem so they brought, uh, they brought people who were from Jerusalem in Mecca at that time. And they asked him, okay, what does Jerusalem look like? And he described in detail what the city looked like. And the people were in shock. This is in the books of Hadith. Where, where the Al-Aqsa is, where is the Holy Church of the Sepulchre, where is, where is this area, that area, he knew it. So from the religious standpoint and from an archaeological standpoint, we have this as evidence. This is 100% happened in the historical process. Now... When it comes to religious holy sites, we Muslims, we have, uh, uh, what you call it, laws and regulations for that. For example, this is in the historical process. It happened on more than one occasion. 
For example, Umar bin Khattab, during when there was fighting, when Islam was spreading into Persia and into the Byzantine Empire, the Byzantines uh, kicked out the Jews and the Roman Empire kicked out the Jews from what, uh, what we would call today Palestine or the Holy Land. Now, what happened? It's because people want to paint this picture where Muslims are Jew haters and just want to kill all Jews. If we hated all the Jews, why when Umar bin Khattab entered Jerusalem, he let the Jews come back? It should be the, it should be the opposite, right? If we hate the Jews, why allow them back? Does it make sense? So he allowed the Jews to come back, and he allowed the Jews to worship in the Wailing Wall, and everything was, 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 was fantastic during that time. And this happened again during the Crusades, when the Crusaders came from Western Europe, and they killed Muslims, Jews, and Arab Christians. They did not discriminate. They killed everybody that they saw. And then when Salah Hadin came and he freed Jerusalem from the Crusader barbarians, he also brought back the Jews again. Back to the Holy Land. This is an Islamic tradition because Islam is known to establish justice. We have no problem with Jews living in the land. That's not, that has never been the problem. The problem is that, it, that from our perspective, that this land is exclusively, only politically, religiously, uh, morally, for on the, uh, uh, morally, ethically, historically, politically, only for the Jews. That's what, what we have a problem with with the, with the Zionist concept. Is that the Zionists when they came to the to to uh, Palestine? They had this image in their heads. They were like, okay, we have to control this land at any cost necessary. And you could go back to David Ben-Gurion's memoir. You could go back to the Israeli documents, which I said in the video. I don't know if you have a, we'll get to it if you want to have a response for that. But sure. when, the Israeli, when the Israelis took control, there was a lot of uh, unethical stuff happening during the war of 1948. And now I'm, the reason why I bring this up, because people say, oh, you're, you're going to say this, and then these people did that. To have a peaceful solution, everything has to be solved and everybody has to get their right. If no one, if, if everyone's rights is secured, there'll be peace. But if one person's right is not secure, then there will not be peace. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is just like the Arabs did bad things to the Jews after World War II or during World War II or beforehand. Uh, at the end of the day, does there have to be compensation to the Jews who were kicked out of Morocco, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, what have you? Of so course, I am for that. I want to get so into the, a whole. I have one a whole, more thing, if possible. Whole article. Possible. One more thing. Yeah, go ahead. I want just like the the Jews are entitled to compensation from Germany and from France and from North Africa and from the Middle East, the Palestinians are also entitled to compensation for what happened to them in 1948. Some of the things that happened in 1948 can be proven archaeologically. We have the archaeological proof and we have the documents to prove it. So it's not just uh, Palestinians talking out of their uh, buttocks. But continue. You were going to say something. Sure. So in terms of in terms of Jews living in Arab, the Arab world versus the Christian world, uh, most Jews would agree that they live better under Muslim rule as a whole. However, mm. there's a notion that they had it peacefully throughout the entire process, and that's very, very, very incorrect. There were constant times, you mentioned second-class citizens. Jews were not considered, were not allowed to do certain things, even in the Muslim world. I'll, I'll pull up an article, actually. Mm -hmm. Yo, you're still there? Because I can't, your face is frozen. Yeah, hold on. I'm here. I'm here. One second. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Do you see me? Oh, frozen. Hold on. I, 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 I only see your face. I don't see the article. Okay, one second. I got to learn how to use this live, bro. I'm like trying to get the comments here. The comments not going away. Can you tell me uh, the source? If, I'm gonna I can't do it. See it. Let me find. It. Let me find it. Because I'm just. I'm okay. just gonna search. Search before. Okay. Now I can't. 
drop these comments though. Hold on. Um, there we go. Hide messages. Okay, there we go. Long story short, it gives a list. Are you seeing my face? Because my face is frozen. I only head. see your face. I only see your face. I can't see anything else. No, no. But do you see it moving or do you see it frozen? No, you're frozen. Your face is frozen. You like, like, like. I hear your audio, but I can't see you like talking. Like you're just frozen. Okay, now you're not, now you're good. Now you're good. Okay, perfect. All right. Hold on. So while you're um, looking, if you don't if you don't mind, if I want to talk a little bit. Here's the thing. Were there Muslim leaders that did bad things to the uh, Jewish population? Of course, I've read about it. There are some things that the Umayyads did, the Abbasids did, the Ottomans did. But at the end of the day, if you look at uh, uh, basically, generally speaking, the Jews had it all right most of the time. Because at the end of the day, right, here's how we, what, what we have to, you know, establish. Not every Muslim empire ruled ethically. There are Muslim empires that oppressed Muslims. For example, the Umayyads, after well, they, the, the Rashidun, the Umayyads, they, there was an Islamic civil war. They attacked Muslims in Mecca. They did unorthodox things. So just because you have a Muslim empire that claims to represent Islam, not all of them are going to be 100% right. Just like, for example, secularism, right? Democracy. I found there the are countries. Okay, just give me one second. There are countries that don't represent democracy good. For example, France. France says, oh, freedom of religion. But when it comes to the rights of the Jewish and the Muslim population in France, Muslim women aren't allowed to wear hijab. When Jews wear the kippah in uh, France, they're oppressed. So in theory, they say they are democratic. Now, can but, we say, uh, France, oh, uh, democracy is bad? The kippah thing, the kippah thing yeah. is primarily by Arabs in France. It's not by the French government. It's primarily by, by Arab, mm -hmm. Arab civilians who attack us. Whoever's attacking them is wrong. doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay, and you're going to show me the article? Oh, you want me okay. to go on? Okay, so... I'm going to... I'm going to... It's a... It, there's a lot to talk about. I know you, you've heard of the term dimmy. Okay? Yes. And then it talks about violence against Jews and gives certain timetables. Okay? So I'm okay. going to quickly skim through this. At various times, Jews in Muslim lands were able to live in a relative peace and thrive culturally and economically. The position of the Jews mm -hmm. was, was never sure, however, and changes in the political or social climate would often lead to persecution, violence, and death. Jews were generally viewed with contempt by their Muslim neighbors. Peaceful coexistence between the two groups involved the subordination and degradation of the Jews. When Jews were perceived as having achieved too comfortable a position in Islamic society, anti-Semitism would surface. Often with mm -hmm. devastating results on December, December 30th, 1066, Joseph Hanagid, Jewish vizier, vizier of, uh, or vizier of, of Vizier, vizier. It's a vizier in Arabic. That's like was, the advisor. It's like uh, second in command. Okay, was crucified by an Arab mob that proceeded to raise the Jewish quarter of the city and slaughtered its 5,000 inhabitants. The riot was mm -hmm. incited by Muslim preachers who had angrily objected to what they saw as inordinate Jewish political power. Similarly, in 1465, Arab mobs in Fez, Morocco, slaughtered thousands mm -hmm. of Jews, only 11 alive after a Jewish deputy, deputy vizier treated a Muslim woman in an offensive manner, quote-unquote. The killings touched off a wave of similar massacres throughout Morocco. Uh, mm -hmm. Talks about Algiers. Let's see, more than 300 Jews were murdered between 1864 and 1880. Decrees ordering the destruction of synagogues were enacted in Egypt and Syria, 1014, 1293 to 94, 1301 to 802, Iraq, 854 to 859, and 1344 in Yemen, 1676. Despite the Quran's prohibition, Jews were forced to convert to Islam or face death in Yemen, 1165 and 1670 at Morocco, 1275, 1465, 1790 to 92. And Baghdad, 1332. Okay. I'
of this. I'm just I'm again. Just I'm not saying it did not happen. You go. You're giving me dates. That's fine. Again, yeah. we're gonna go. We're gonna let's, we're gonna go into it. Just because you have a Muslim empire, again, there are Muslim empires that oppressed other Muslims as well. And you had rulers that uh, basically took advantage of, of the situation. Or you had elites. Because remember, uh, a Jewish vizier, for example, that was one of the cases, right? You had a Jewish vizier in the, in, the, in the government. There were some Muslim politicians probably that were jealous. And they didn't like the, the, Jew, the Jews going up in society. And that the Jew basically was doing be a better job than them. So they used anti-Semitism as a weapon to basically uh, put put the Jews back down. That That's that happened 100%. Right. But at the same time, we have to balance it out, right? Let's balance it out for a second. Because no, no society is perfect. You're going to find, if we go to every single society, we're going to find some, some, some flaws. But if you look at, for example, Spain, the Ottoman Empire, who took in the Jews from Spain, that's why the Ottoman Empire was so successful. Because when they took Constantinople in 1453, the Sultan, Muhammad al-Fatih, wanted to have a successful society. He wanted to have the best of the best, no matter who they were, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, whatever. You had also in Morocco during the 1400s, the, the Almohads, I think. They were very radical thinking. They had radical um, ideals. They were, I would put them uh, on, a, on the scale from 1 to 10 of how radical they are, probably 8 to 9, how radical they were. Not to mention that Muslims also oppressed other Muslims. They oppressed Christians. It was, it was chaos. The Muslim empires were not perfect. But at the same time, let me give you some historical reference that proves the other point. For example, you had the caliph. You had a caliph. He, he was the cousin of the Prophet Muhammad His name was Ali ibn Abi Talib. He was the, the uh, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth caliph. And there, were, there was a battle. They won the, the, the battle against the enemy. I don't know if it was the, the Persians or the Romans, whoever they were. And his shield was missing. So one day the caliph is walking, he sees his shield for sale, he sees a Jewish man selling his shield. He said, this is my shield. And the uh, Jewish man said, no, what's your evidence? They go to court. So they go to court, and uh, the caliph is saying, this is my shield. And then the judge is asking, okay, what is the proof that it's your shield? He's like, okay, I have my kids here, they, they could prove that this is my shield. He's like, no, that's a conflict of interest, they don't count. In an Islamic court, that does not count, that's out. So at the end of the day, the caliph couldn't prove that this shield was his, even though it was his, but he couldn't prove it. And then the, the, the shield was, was uh, legally belonged to the Jewish man. And the Jewish man was shocked of how basically just the Islamic system is. If you go to most countries and you go against the president or the king or the sultan or uh, the dictator, you probably lose. But in, in this case, in Islamic history, the caliph lost. Uh, and the Jewish man became a Muslim after that because... Uh, he saw how just the Islamic system was and how Islam was as a religion. Uh, and that, that's the first thing. The second thing, I want to give you a fun, a, a fun fact about the Crusades. During the Crusades, when the, I think this was the third crusade, when the, when the English came back and the French came back, they had these ladders that were, uh, not, not flam they were, not, they were fireproof, basically. And there was a Jewish scientist at the time of Salah al-Din. They went to him. He was from Damascus. They brought him over. They asked him, uh, can you? There is a specific material he made that could bring down the uh, whatever you call those those ladders that they use in the Middle Ages to scale walls and stuff. So, so they gave they gave, they gave him the formula, and this Jewish scientist he saved basically the Muslim Empire. He saved Jerusalem from falling because of his smartness. So Jews in the Muslim world played a big role in our society. When they had something good to offer, we took them in. We we helped them out. They were high in status. Now, I'm not saying it was all perfect. You basically showed your side that, look, there was some 
a lot of hiccups, a lot of problems in the Muslim uh, empires. And I agree with you. But those same Muslim empires were oppressing other Muslims as well. So it, it, it's all, it, wasn't, it was about power, basically. If you go to the, if you go, go back in time and you go to a random Muslim in Spain or Morocco or Egypt or Syria or the Holy Land or Jordan or Turkey, and you ask them, do you have any problem with the Jews? The, the normal Joe Shimo will tell you no. Now, if you go into politics, because in politics, you all know people, they have a vendetta, they, they, they get jealous, and they do unorthodox things for power. We have seen it happen. And unfortunately, these things happen, and sometimes the Jews are, were scapegoated for other people to rise up in their place. And this is the very unfortunate that that happened. By the now, way, yes. uh, there, yeah. there was prosperity for Jews in Muslim and Christian countries. But again, even in Islamic countries, the Muslim, Muslims knew that they had rulership and there was no contest. The only time there was contest, and this is what happens throughout history, in any country where Jews started to succeed, is that they feel threatened that now this small minority is starting to gain power and they could at some point overthrow them, take their money, or what, and whatnot. And this happens throughout history. And this happens with, with every group. And this is a fear that Jews have in Israel, right? So as much as Whenever the underdog is the underdog, people who naturally support the underdog in any instance will say, oh, look, they're the oppressed. The ones who are stronger are automatically the ones causing all the problems. We have to help the people who are the underdogs. We have to help the weaker side. That's not always the, the, the full story, though. You have to understand mm -hmm. the full story. Just because it's, it's a similar conversation where if some, two people are having a debate and mm -hmm. one person is yelling and it's all emotional, some people mm -hmm. have look at the emotional person yelling and say, oh, they must be right. Look mm -hmm. how emotional. So when you go to New York and you see Palestinians or pro-Palestinians waving their flags, going nuts, and then you'll have Israelis kind of just dancing to, to Hava Nagila, automatically, oh, well, look at the Palestinians. Look how mad they look. They must be so, you know, destroyed and whatnot. And that doesn't necessarily make the case any stronger. Oftentimes, if you want to have a proper dialogue, if there's emotion involved and people get angry at each other, it's understandable. People are human. But yelling and screaming doesn't necessarily make a point more valid. I think oftentimes it takes away the validity. At the end of the day, look, we're having this intellectual discussion right now. Here's the thing that we have. No, we, I, we, no, 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 we, we, we're, you and I are fine right now. I'm not talking about us. Yeah. So he, here's the thing, right? Here's the problem with Israel, right? Like, for example, what we, in Israel today, here's the thing, right, which I find hypocritical. By the way, they say, quick. well, Dude, tell me, okay. My, no, no, my friend is telling me he's, hold on. What? I have to. What happened? You okay? You still with me? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Hold on one second. Hold on, hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Fantastic. I just don't see your, your I just see your face, but it's not moving, so. Do you mind if I move? Because right now it's a little cold, so I need to there move a little bit to stay warm. No, you don't fine, mind, it's right? Fine. My friend, my friend okay. just asked me when I'm starting, and I told him I, I started a half hour ago, so I'm confused. My friend told me to send him the link, but I can't. I don't know because I don't want to destabilize the thing. So I, I want to send it to him after we finish. Sure. So I'm gonna walk around because I want to stay warm because it's getting colder now here in New York. It's not like Florida, you know. <laughs> what? Hello. Hello. Do you hear me? Let me send it. Let me send it to a couple of people. I know my face okay. is frozen. Let me send it to a couple of people. Just Do, give me a. Second. But you could hear me though, right? For the most part, I, you could hear me. I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I could hear you. Fantastic. So while you do that, can I talk or not? Because <clears throat> it's your show. I don't want to disrespect you.
Hey. You're back. All right. All right, we're here. Okay, yeah. so we're half an hour in. I think that we should go into the since you brought you said about the Muslim, how Jews were treated in the Muslim empires. I think it's fair that we bring up how Israel, Israel since 1948 onwards, how they how they treated the Arabs and Muslims and Arab Christians since they became a state. So here's the thing, right? Here's uh, where I get a little uh, pissed off because the Jews know what it's like to be oppressed. Throughout history, they've been being thrown around like uh, like meat from one country to another, being oppressed. Whether it's in Russia, whether it's in Poland, whether it's in France, whether it's in Germany, whether it's in the Arab world, whatever have you. put Name any location, Jews have been oppressed, except, I don't know, maybe in India. I, I haven't heard any Jews being oppressed in India or China. But I don't know, maybe they have, maybe they haven't, I don't know. But all over the world, Jews have been oppressed. Now, here's the question. Here's the question, right? Because, like I said in my video, most of the problems we're dealing with right now is because of England, the United States, and, and France, because of World War I. Now, here's the thing, right? Uh, under the Ottoman Empire, they were, the Sultan refused to give Palestine, or the Holy Land, or whatever you want to call it, to the Zionists because it is a wakaf. In Arabic, wakaf means holy sanctuary, the whole land, right? Right. Now there were Jews living there. If you look, if you if you go to Google and you put uh, Jewish uh, settlement settlements communities in Palestine before 1918, you will see Tel Aviv, which is today an urban center, was a settlement built in 1909, and they were settling. And you had also rich Jewish families doing projects like the Rothschilds doing uh, projects in the Holy Land, building settlements and whatnot, and. Palestinians, for the most part, because Palestine is a land that is very diverse. We could agree with that. The Holy Land is very diverse. You have Kur, you have Kurds, you have Druze, you have Arabs, you have Turkmen, you have uh, what are those people called? Circassians. So we don't have a problem with people coming to the country, but and most Muslims and Arabs, we didn't. We just saw like they're they're migrating. They have problems. They're trying to get away from what's happening in Europe or Russia or whatever, and they want to you know find a place where they could you know exist which is fine when did we start having problems okay we have problems when the british made two promises okay you have the balfour declaration right and you have the mcmahon agreement which you could pull up if you want to pull it up a uh, balfour declaration is uh, most people are familiar with that we will create a jewish homeland in the land of palestine that's the promise right and the second part then nothing will happen to the local arab population okay here's where things get sticky Two years before, 19, this is 1915, the British go to uh, the Sharif of Mecca, which he, in my opinion, he was an idiot. We're still paying for the, his stupidity until today. Uh, they went to him, they said, look, man, rebel against the Ottoman Empire, and you, we're going to give you, give you, we're going to give you the whole event, which is Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Jordan, the Hejaz, and Saudi Arabia today. And we're going to make you the king of this land. So basically, they're promising him a pipe dream. Because the, at the end, the British and the French knew what, they, what was going to happen. They just gave the Arabs this pipe dream, and this guy fell for it because he was power hungry. Anyway, so after the revolt happens, right, uh, the, the Zionists also were working behind the scenes because America didn't, America didn't get involved in the war for nothing. There had to be lobbying done because the war was a stalemate. It was serious. Like, like it was a coin flip who was going to win that war. Uh, even the Ottoman Empire, if it wasn't for the Arabs revolting, the Ottoman Empire, I am convinced, it will be still standing to this day. But because the Arabs revolted, and that's what the British needed. They needed somebody 
from the inside to destroy the empire from inside. And that's why you had the Ottoman Empire collapse so quickly. And you had lobbying behind the scenes, politicians, billionaires who wanted to end this war quickly. Uh, they wanted, to, that's why America got involved. Right, because so you, men you mentioned the British, you mentioned uh, after, uh, after World War II, after World, after World War no, no, I. No, 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 no. Before World War... Okay, okay. So, okay. Uh, what are you talking... What are you going to say? Because I want to understand what you're going to say before I no, correct you. saying that the British were... The, the French and the British had such a hard time after the war. They wanted to pull out. They didn't want to be in these countries anymore. Here's the thing. The British made such a mess. The, the, there's two places the British messed up. To the, and it's affecting us to this day. India and the Holy Land. The British, they had this idea that... They wanted to create a satellite. Who is the best people to make our satellite? They wanted. To, they, in their opinion, at the, at the end, they agreed. Let's make the Jew, the Jews, our satellite. That's how it works. Uh, that's how back then, you know. Because if they're gonna leave, right? Let's be honest. In my opinion, there was no deep colonization. What happened was governments were put in, and these governments are, are loyal to their uh, colonizing states to this day. Just look at Africa. Look at the Middle East. Uh, this is it, only recently things have been decolonizing. Yeah, the British and the French physically left, but the economics, the in industries, the uh, what you call it, uh, the, the economics, the industry, the uh, all that was controlled by them. So, the, what the British, in my opinion, also had a hand in was during the Nakba. They, they helped Israel a lot during the Nakba, during the 1948 war. And I gave two examples in my video: Tiberius and Haifa. So in Tiberias, the British literally had to go in. The British had to literally go in, force the population out. They told the, pre the Arab priests and sheikhs, listen, you got to get the hell out. This is part of Israel now. Of this, by the way. Uh, uh, this is an Al Jazeera documentary. It's called the Nakba. It's four episodes. And they go in detail about this. I'll send you the link after, or I'll put, put it in the description after we're, uh, we're finished with the episode. Here's the thing, right? The, 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 in order to have peace between two people, we have to be honest with each other. Just like the Arabs have to be honest with what they did to the Jewish uh, people in Iraq and in Syria and whatever. Israel has to be honest with what they did. There, there are, there's a new documentary out. It's an Israeli documentary. It's not even an Arab documentary by Teddy Katz. Talking about, this is only one town. Imagine how many towns these people did this in. Uh, there's a place called Tantura. It's on the coastline. Yeah, you bring it these up. veterans who are in their 90s, they're saying openly, 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 they say this openly. I, I, this is not my words. There was one Israeli soldier. He's like, listen, man, you know, I, I saw this 16 year old and I, you know, I, I she looked good and I raped her and then I killed her. And, and he's like, I, I don't know how many people I killed, man. I, I, I had like 250 rounds in my machine gun. One, and I just. The, the yes. one with the mustache? I don't, yeah. I yeah, don't that, that douchebag. That douchebag with the mustache. Him. I don't remember him talking about raping anybody, but I guess I no, no, no. It. He did. He, it's in the documentary. They talk about it. Yeah, he raped a 16-year-old girl, and the bodies to this day, the bodies, the bodies, are buried under the parking lot in Tontura. And the, the, the Israelis, the Israelis themselves said they found bodies, and they buried it, and they're covering it up. That's number one. Number two, if you go over from the northern part of what is today Israel to the southern part, you're going to find a lot of destroyed houses and villages. This is there is physical evidence of this, and in the Israeli documents, in the, there's basically the Israeli documents. I don't know how you, how it works here in America. Every ten years, they you know public information or whatever act. The Israelis themselves. This is not from me. This is from the Israeli community. And if you want, bro, after this we could do a part two because I got to go back to work. But after eight o'clock, I'm off, so we could do a part two after that if you want. Uh, 
here's the thing. I'll bet I'll, I have to go back in 20 minutes, but here's the thing. Go back in 20 minutes, then we gotta, yeah. I, I gotta save my points because I'm, I'm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But don't worry, if you want, we could continue. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, run away. Don't worry. Here's the thing Israel has to own to what it did because Israel says openly, look, we used measles, we, we poisoned the wells during the war, we kicked out Palestinians from, from their land, we ethically cleansed their villages, and they have plans, four phases Plan Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, four phases where they counted everything to how many apples are on the tree. Imagine, that's how specific the intelligence was. So in my opinion, this was planned. This was premeditated. Because at the end, like I said in the video, in order, they, the, the goal was to make Israel into a Jewish majority state. How do you do that? There's two ways to do that. Way number one, get more Jewish immigrants in, which at, by 1947 was impossible. They weren't able to. Yes, so there's only one option left. Get, get as much Arabs out of the country as, as fast as possible. Uh, before the Arab countries get involved. And then we had the situation, which happened, the Nakba, the catastrophe that happened for Palestinians, and people are paying what happens to this day. So, and also we had the concentration camps after, after the war, the Herats covered it, where Palestinians and prisoners of war had to literally work from 19, and they were in, uh, on lockdown from 1949 to 1966. So all these places in Yaffa and in Lid and in uh, other places in uh, what is today Israel, they used to be under lockdown. It was only one year before the Six-Day War that they let the Arabs, you know, mingle with the rest of the population. So, yeah, you were going to say something. Okay. So in terms of, obviously, the Palestinians see it as a Nakba, we see it as independence. At the end of the day, in terms of living in the land as a majority... If the other party is not going to agree to certain lands, because we had the, um, I think it was called the, the Peel Agreement. That was the initial partition. That was the first one, the Peel Commission. Right. right. So there was a yes. lot more, there were a lot, there was a lot more land for the Palestinians than there were for the Jews initially. Uh, that plan didn't fall, that plan didn't go through. And then we, they proposed the UN partition plan later on in 47. Neither, neither of which worked. And quite honestly, I don't think either side, what the Jews or nor the Arabs, were looking to make that a, a reality. Either one. Uh, and now, after the partition plan, and this is really my basis to the argument, because we can look at history, and mm -hmm. I can't deny, I can't deny, unfortunately, that maybe there was instances where soldiers raped Palestinians. What's also true is that it happened the other way around. There's articles showing that. I don't know about back then. But there are articles. And at the end of the day, in every single war in history, unfortunately, I mean, it's definitely happening in Russia and Ukraine. It's probably mm -hmm. happened almost every war. Uh, I would say there were probably very few instances of rape from Israelis to Palestinians. Maybe in the beginning of the establishment of the state, it happened more. I don't know. I don't have numbers. And I'm not here to simply just put a wall up and deny anything. If it happened, it's horrible. And I, of course, I'm against and it. And on my side, if anybody right. did something wrong, I'm not here to say, oh, the Arabs are right. I, I, I don't saying, play that nationalistic BS. I'm a, a religious thing, person. The thing yeah. is, man, is that it happens in Europe. It happens by, by Muslim immigrants very often. It happens in Germany and other Western states. They come, they see how the women are dressed. They think they're easy and they, they do that all the time. It's well documented. It happens all the time. It happens by mm -hmm. certain... Groups from Africa, it happens by, by groups of uh, from the Arab world. They come, they're poor. They they see these Western blonde, beautiful blonde women late at night in an alley, and it happens a lot. You can do your research. So it, it's mm. not – point isn't to attack anybody. The point is that to sit here and nitpick and try to tally up who does more isn't going to get us anywhere. Okay? There's no argument. Mm -hmm. There's no argument that, it, that as Jews, when we're creating the state of, of Israel – 
Zion, the idea of Zionism isn't some colonial idea, and that's what you guys are all pushing. The idea for us, in, in a, a Jewish sense, whether religious or not, Zion, mm-hmm. Zion, 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 the idea of Zion is, is salvation, where we want self-determination. We want our own place. As much as mm-hmm. killed in the process, Zionism was the most successful organization in history to actually bring Jews together from all over the world and get us in the land. Again, when I say successful, it doesn't mean perfect. As we know, it was extremely faulty and had a lot of problems. No, mm-hmm. to, to go and take a land that we haven't had for thousands of years and expect that there wasn't going to be some kind of issue with that is asinine. Of course you weren't going to like that. Of course the Arab world wasn't going to be happy about it. The reality is, man, and people are going to listen to this, especially anti people who are anti-Israel, and they're going to mm. hear this. What a terrible thing. What a horrible thing to say. The reality of the world is that land has been conquered since the beginning of time. And again, people are going to say, oh, so that's okay. It's not a matter of okay or not okay. Land has been conquered since the beginning of time. It'll continue to happen. Now that we have social media and the internet, it's much harder to do the things that we used to do as humans, the horrible shit we used to do in terms of... I disagree. Even with social media, there's still bad things happening. One one second, one second. Yeah, yeah. Horrible (laughs) things are happening, but it's much harder for things to just go undocumented. Of course, Mm -hmm. there are Yemen. You have Yemen. You have Russia and Ukraine. You have the whole challenge, the, the challenges with Israel. Of course, things are still happening. But it's much harder, and especially with a country with a country like Israel. As much you as as people want to shit in it all day, we mm-hmm. actually we actually care to a large degree what the international community says. I know you guys are going to say, "Nah, no, you don't. No, you don't." I was in the army, so are there many instances where Israeli settlers do things that they shouldn't do and they get away with it? Definitely. Are there times where Israeli soldiers get away with things that they shouldn't? Sure, but for the most part, the the Israeli soldiers are are dealt with, arrested, interrogated far more. I, If you can find me another military where they do this, where they uh, interrogate soldiers if they beat up a Palestinian, meaning if they go and beat someone up and they get interrogated, highly doubt it. Militaries, I'm not talking about police. Uh, okay, here, here's, yeah, continue, yeah, continue. Hold, hold on, this is a, a bunch more points. Now, my my point is this, and this is the, the I don't like to have a religious argument because the religious mm-hmm. argument you never get anywhere because it's my my oh. Bible versus your Bible, my book versus your. I think ultimately mm-hmm. monotheism. All three Abrahamic agree that Jew that the Jews were promised the land of Israel. Okay, now there are obviously counter arguments to say, well, well, maybe God was to just give it back to us at some point. We fought for it in the beginning when we had it historically, and we had to fight for it. I believe, um, as as much as that sucks to say, there is into that at the same time the british were the ones who ruled it we had an opportunity to split it there were times where the arabs were had certain interest in in sharing the land or working for a peace agreement there are times where the israelis were interested there are times where neither of them were because both sides Mm -hmm. like israelis never wanted peace the palestinians say oh the palestinians never wanted peace i don't i i I wouldn't say that I, I know there are definitely groups of Palestinians that just want to have a house, a job and call it a day. But at the end of the day, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, most of them, if you ask them, if they weren't on camera, if you went and asked them if they want the entire state of Israel to disappear with the flag of Palestine and have complete Muslim rule, most of them would probably want that. I can't say I would even blame them to some degree, but the idea that they really want the Jews there to split it. I don't think that's really the case. I, I just okay. 
here's the thing when it comes to the Israeli military, right? When it comes to the Israeli military. I want to turn off these comments, bro, because they're in my face. I can't even see you. But anyway, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Israeli military, they have done, even in, in the last 20 years, have done messed up stuff. For example, 2018 with the Gaza protests, right? There was no Hamas there. They were just protesting, and we had a nurse shot okay. in the oh, you're, oh, you're giving me and, real... You're, giving, you're making it real easy for me. Go ahead. Okay, they shot her in the head, a, a nurse, number one, with a sniper. Yeah. Like, why the hell? Like, I'm, look, I'm looking at the video, right? I'm trying. Me, yeah, I'm trying. Okay, wh where are the Palestinians with the guns? I don't see any Palestinians with the gun. This is 2018. This is before 2021. And on top of that, Hamas didn't do anything. They, they were chilling. Also, when it comes to bombing Gaza, right? We've seen it. I, I could just go two years back. Hold on. Let's, huh? stick, let's, let's stop at the riots real quick. I, okay, 2018 I, I'm talking about. I understand. I was already out of the army at that point, but I, I knew okay. people. There were absolutely people with, with guns. There were people with weapons. They had wire cutters. They ran up to the fences, and they tried to cut the wires and and get in. Some what does the nurse have to do with it? What? The nurse got shot. The nurse. Rosanna nurse job. Listen, the nurse shouldn't have been shot. If it was on purpose, I, I condemn that. Mm -hmm. uh, it is. Listen, you, you can't. Again, I'm reminding you. Israeli soldiers are humans. My point is that they have emotion. I'm not. I'm not saying it's okay. My point is that you you think people are going to nitpick at every little thing we do wrong. There's a high likelihood, and it, it could be not, but there's a high likelihood that that Israeli soldier either they were just trigger happy and wanted to kill people, or they have a family member or a friend that was killed, or they know someone that was killed and whatnot, and they're fucking angry, and they they just wanted to shoot somebody. That's not right, but that happens on both sides. So hold on, mm -hmm. I can. And I think that's wrong. I'm making that very clear. Mm. The fact of the matter is no other country would allow thousands of people on the border burning tires, throwing Molotov cocktails. Some of them have had guns. If the, if, if the Israeli army wasn't there on the border, tons of them would be trying to get into the in, through the border. They were already were. They were mm. trying to dig under. They were trying to dig under the under the wall. They had wire cutters trying to cut the fence open to get through. No country in, in the world, including Arab countries, if one Arab country had thousands of protesters trying to get into the other country, they would shoot them as soon as they got close. There were a bunch of Palestinians lined on the Gaza border, on the wall, touching the wall, standing on the wall with their hands on the wall, and they, and they mm. weren't shot. Okay? At the end of the day, man, it, don't come close to a border and expect not to get shot. Whatever your cause is, whatever your reason is. That is what happens. You take that risk. You want to go ahead and do that. Understand that there's a high likelihood you're going to get shot. Okay, but do you it, agree that is that Israel and the West they had they signed something called the Geneva Convention, correct? So, for example, I don't know how it is in the IDF. Maybe you could uh, enlighten me a little bit. But uh, if I'm a soldier, I'm looking from a soldier perspective, and I do not see a gun, I do not see anything that's a threat. Now, if they're coming to the fence, right? Let's say they're coming to the fence. And they're gonna try to cut the wire. You fire tear gas, warning shots, whatever. But if somebody has a gun, different story. Then it's fair game. That person has a gun. The other person has a gun. Then shoot them. Whatever. I don't care. But if you're gonna shoot people who are meters away from the fence, I'm talking about like two, three, four hundred meters away. I have a problem with that because you have a nurse in my in, in, in international law. Dead doctors and nurses shouldn't be shot because they're doing they're they're saving lives. Whether you agree, whether it's a Palestinian nurse. Or an Israeli nurse, or a freaking, I don't know, whatever nurse, right? Uh, they should not get shot in any circumstances. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to Gaza, right? Israel has used Gaza as a lab when it comes to using white phosphorus, when it comes to 
destroying everything indiscriminately. Now, I know you're going to tell me, oh, they, they drop a little bomb to give them three minutes to uh, to escape. Escape where? John Stewart did a, well, first, did a joke. Escape where? Egypt and Israel are putting Gaza in a corner. Where are they going to go? Swim in the Mediterranean Sea? No, no, no. But listen, they have if they have a certain amount of time and they know that the, the place is being bombed, that's a hell of a lot more than other countries are doing. This is a war, though. We have this delusion that it's some kind of game of backgammon. It's shesh-bash. We're having a hookah. We're having a good time. This is a war. The goal of war is to defeat the other side. The goal of war is to kill mm-hmm. or 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 incapacitate the other side where they can no longer fight. They have to surrender. Now are the victor- the victor's needs are met. And whatever happens to the other side happens to the other side. We're, mm-hmm. I'm being wrong with you. I'm not, I'm, I, I can butter it up for you, but I'm calling what it is. The, okay. the, at the end of the day, Gaz- Gazans are in a terrible predicament. I think anyone who argues that is stupid. It's a horrible place to be in. I wouldn't want that. In, in, Biggest open air prison in the world. Horrible experience, right? Yes. At the end of the day, when you're shooting thousands of rockets into a country and you're going to have, but they're doing it because, 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 because no country would tolerate anywhere near the amount of it, anywhere near the amount of uh, rockets that were shot, no matter how high mm-hmm. the quality of the rockets are, no matter what their goal is in shooting them. If rockets mm-hmm. are being fired from one country to another, mm-hmm. 90% of countries would have decimated God, decimated it. it Arab countries, if you sh- if if Gazans tried to shoot missiles or rockets into Egypt to that degree, they get fucked up. Excuse my French. They get fucked up. Doesn't matter Muslim. They even created. Okay, but here's the thing. Egypt created buffers. Egypt created buffer zones. They destroyed houses along the border, and and they and they flooded the tunnels with water because they were trying to actually work with Israel and say, okay, we need to do something about this. So Egypt was working with Israel to actually kind of try to stop this. Now the Iron Dome, which is a fantastic thing, and people say, mm-hmm. people that are kind of against the Israeli military say, oh, we shouldn't, you know, Israel has the Iron Dome and all, all the Palestinians have our rockets. The Iron Dome is in a, in a way saving both sides because if Israel didn't have the Iron Dome and, and they had no protection mm-hmm. from the sky and they were, all of these rockets were coming into Israel, Israel would have their response would have to be tremendously harsher than it is now. However harsh you think it is, it would be in- incredibly worse. They'd be getting bombed. I- they probably, I mean, the whole entire land, the whole entire strip would be destroyed. Okay, point. here's the thing. Let's look at the historical process. What happened okay. in the last few wars? So let's look at 2012. What happened in 2012? Israel killed a Hamas military commander in 2012, which led to the eight day. So, no, no. So we're talking about basically what led to, you know, Hamas firing the rockets. Because in my opinion, people always think, oh, Hamas just fires the rockets from nowhere. They just, one day they woke up and uh, just like, you know what, guys, today's a good day to start firing rockets at Israel. Here's what, what what's the situation. I'm going to do everything in chronological order. The so first we, thing. So uh, re- so a- for example, let me give you an example for a second. If, yeah. I, if any intelligence agency, let's say, goes and they kill a military uh, figure or general or whatever you want to call it. There's going to be a response. So Israel in 2012, they killed a man named Ahmed Ja'bari. Yeah, he was like an engineer or a commander or whatever he, what he was. In 2012, this was the, the, the short engagement, eight days. It was an eight-day uh, conflict. Hold on one second. And then, yes. The, that was, I'm pretty sure that was the, those were the Mossad guys in, in Dubai, I think. No, 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 no. This is in Gaza. They killed him with a drone or a plane in, in Gaza in 2012. So what happened, they killed right. Ahmed Ja'bari. And after that, Hamas like, okay, you know what? We're going to start fighting. So they fired the rockets, and then it was a little engagement. And then uh, Egypt came in, and the UN came in. It's okay, guys, calm down. It was just basically like a flare-up. 
Now, in 2021, two years ago, two years ago, Hamas told Israel, this is during Ramadan, the last 10 days, and the settlers are going crazy and going into Al-Aqsa and firing at Muslims there and arresting people and beating people up and causing problems during the last 10 days of Ramadan. Hamas is like, look, man, if you guys keep on doing this, we're going to fire rockets. They gave three warnings. And the last one, like, okay, Israel, if you guys keep on doing this and you proceed with the Jerusalem march, because the, 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 the thing with the, the goal of the Jerusalem march is to cause problems every year in June, in June or May, whatever they, they hold the thing, to protest and they cause riots in East Jerusalem and they go to the Muslim neighborhoods to cause problems so they could freaking everyone you know can fight each other. So Hamas says, okay, man, if you guys are going to keep doing this and you go on with this, at 6 p.m., we're going to fire missiles. So Israel did not heed the warning, and Hamas, of course, fired the missiles, right? Now, I know Israel is going to say, like, oh, my God, this guy is for a terrorist organization. This guy is a terrorist. Listen, man, there's a quote, and you know the quote. One terrorist is one freedom fighter. Does, now, does everything Hamas do, is it correct? Nope. Suicide bombings. Do I condemn it? 100%. Now, what about what the, what the Israelis did recently, just killing civilians or how they treat Palestinians or whatever? It's also, you know, valid. If you ask a Palestinian, is Israel a terrorist state? You're talking about their government, obviously. I'm talking about every Israeli. Their government and their army. You, you, are, you, are they a terrorist? They're going to say yes because of the A, B, C, D. They're going to give you reasons. Now, Israel, in my opinion, they, they could easily stop. Uh, some of the stuff they do, they, they, it's like they want Hamas to, 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 to do the war. Like Netanyahu. Prime Minister Netanyahu wanted to do, have a war with Hamas so he could stay in power. So some Israeli prime ministers, they take advantage and they take the, the, the advantage of the Palestinians in the sense that they want the Palestinians to respond and they force them to respond. So in my opinion, the Israeli leadership have to be more, number one, to care about their people more because in my opinion, they don't care about their people. They care about the seats, especially the, 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 the guy who's in power right now, Mr. Benjamin Netanyahu. He's a fascist. Sitting, uh, he'll do anything to go in power. In my opinion, I, if Hitler I, was alive, he will I, shake his hands with Hitler and he'll be in power. I don't yes, agree. you were saying. I disagree with that, actually. Yeah. I, I know you hate him, but I happen to think he loves Israel very much. I think he loves the country a lot. I think he has a lot of loyalty to it. At the end of the day, he's right wing. And he, the same way you probably, if we're calling a spade a spade, you probably support certain right wing Palestinian groups. You might not say that to me, but mm -hmm. you, probably, you probably get a pride in it when you see them with their guns and everything. Uh -huh. I don't see Netanyahu uh -huh. like that at all. He's a well-educated person. He's in the highest rank of the military. Does he do things? Mm -hmm. that are wrong? Does he do things that are wrong? Sure. I think at the end of the day, he wants a Jewish state where Jews can be free and safe, and he prioritizes that over the Palestinian people. The Palestinian but today, people Israel is that. Israel is not just a state. It is, in my opinion, a regional power. It is a player. It is a player. Here's the thing, right? Sure. Israel. Israel, as because people say, oh my God, see these Palestinians. They're, the prime minister, if he wants to solve the problem, I don't care what kind of prime minister you have, it's a very easy solution, man. It's called economic development. It's called give people their rights. If, if Israel just were to give the people their rights and just let the Palestinians breathe a little bit, in my opinion, the Palestinians themselves, they will stop Hamas. The Palestinians themselves, it all comes down to winning over the population. And no, it did not happen. Because yeah. uh, when the Palestinians made a decision in 2007 and they voted, they, 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 they did not vote for the people that America or Israel wanted. So when, when that happened, it was like, oh, okay, you want to actually vote for people we don't like? Okay, we're going to put our, our foot down and we're going to blockade you and we're, we're going to make sure you don't get food and we're going to make sure this and that and the first, second, that and the third. This is the biggest mistake Israel did because at the end of the day, if Israel wants to win over the Palestinian population, that's the wrong way to do it. You, you failed epically because if you go to Gaza, Gaza right now, 
In Gaza, they, they capture the traitors very easily over there. You know why? Because most of the people, 99% of the people in Gaza hate Israel for obvious reasons. Because they, have left, they left them no choice. They put them in a corner, literally. They're in a corner in their life. They, have, they can't work. They can't do anything. And we have the same happening in the West Bank. And, and the current Israeli administration knows this. And in my opinion, they want, they, they, they want to have conflict. And, and I'm going to give the Israeli population some, some, some history, a mini history lesson here. The last prime minister that wanted peace, what happened to that guy, Isaac Rabin, who pushed for a peace deal? And he signed the Oslo Accords. In my opinion, I have some beef with him. But at the end, I respect him because he at least tried. He tried to make peace. And what happened? Who shot him? Did the Palestinians shoot him? Did an Arab guy shoot him? Or was the Israeli settler? And Netanyahu proudly said, the current guy that you like, he said, I destroyed Oslo. This guy, he destroyed Oslo. If he likes his country so much, why did he destroy the peace agreement? Why did, why did he uh, prevent peace from happening? In my opinion, that's, that, that, that's the problem right there. That's Netanyahu. He's the problem. Him and, uh, and people like him. Because people like Isaac Rabin were killed by his support. People who, who have the same mindset as Netanyahu. I want to interject quickly. The, re, the, the, yes. problem, the, the sentiment of Israelis, and to some degree I share the sentiment, you, pro you probably aren't going to like it, is that when, we, when we've had more liberal government, which we've had oftentimes, we still have very liberal Israelis. And I think liberal left-wing Israelis could be some of the most dangerous people, li highly liberal Jews, as much as you might like them, because they kind of agree with a lot of your sentiment. We see them as very dangerous because we see that all they do, all of their social media pages, everything they talk about is, is trying to find things against Israel. And what I think that is on a psychological level is they feel that if they appease the opposing side and if they constantly apologize, somehow that's going to work. The problem with the thing about human nature... Well, being served in the IDF, man. The, okay, yeah. Hold on, so hold on. Okay. Let me make... mm. That that's a big problem, and the thing is, when we've given, when we've given, we gave Gaza back. We gave Gaza back with tons of resources. You guys didn't want any of it. Hamas destroyed, or before Hamas was in power, but destroyed a lot of the things that were in place because they were Israeli. They had Jewish kind of, you know, touch to them. So you destroyed them, built whatever you wanted to build on them. The problem is that, of course, Gaza is blockaded. Israel has a blockade on it, and that re that mm -hmm. reason that blockade is because we don't want weapons and other things to come through. Now, it's causing this constant back-and-forth problem where because it's blockaded, there's, there are attacks, and because there are attacks, it's continued to be blockaded. So we, we're at this stalemate problem. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Hamas government, mm -hmm. did buildings, is there some sort of infrastructure in Gaza? Sure, there are hookah bars, restaurants, there are some things. Obviously, people go to work, and they have this, whoever goes to work, there's a high unemployment rate. But the, there is such a desire to take the land river to the sea and flag of Palestine. They spend every waking hour with that, mm -hmm. that dream. How do you expect to build an economic power or any kind of prosperous economy when every single focus is based on destroying Israel? Especially when the you want me to answer that? I have, I have an answer for you. You want me want, want to hear the answer? Okay, here's the answer. The answer is very simple. You have to think, how do we get the Palestinian people on our side? It's very simple. It's very easy. People need, what do they need? If people have nothing to lose, they become, they, they become like people in, people are in a corner. They have nothing to lose. So here's the thing. If you give uh, economic development, if you, because Hamas, they said, we're willing to do big ceasefire, big hood, if, if you lift the siege off Gaza, if you give us, let us trade with whoever we want, build airports, build seaports, let us do business. Let us do whatever we want. Guess what's going to happen if Hamas messes up, messes up? The Palestinians themselves will keep Hamas in check. 
That's if Israel's concerned about the Palestinians. In my opinion, they're not concerned. How are they going to keep them in check? If Hamas is the leading power with all the weapons and all the power... Because the they have stuff to lose. They have something to lose. Economic so prosperity. That, Arab, that, that Gazan civilians without power are going to revolt against Hamas. you believe that? If the Hamas doesn't follow their wish. Yes, we have pre we had protests in Gaza recently because okay. of electricity cuts and all that those cuts. What and, kind of... They went out in the street? They were in the street, yes. They went out in the street and they condemned the government. They said, look, we, need, we have the right to live. Hamas didn't do anything to them. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. Unlike the Palestinian Authority, which in my opinion, the PA and Israel are hand in hand, because you and Tal talked about this. In my opinion, I was a little offended, but I'm going to break it down. Tal was saying, oh, there are no Palestinians that are protesting against the PA. They're just taking it. No, nope. there was one guy. His name is Nizar Banat. You can Google him right now. He used to work in the PA. He left the PA because he saw so much corruption, so much facade. So much uh, uh, money moving around, all the aid that's coming from Europe and America is going in the president's buttocks, going up his buttocks. They are so rich. Abbas, Hania, uh, yes. Khalid Mashal, they're all, they're, they are so rich. They're, by the way, they are far richer than any Israeli politician. Far. I disagree. I don't think they're that rich. They are very rich. They're rich, they're, but not that rich. They are very, very wealthy. You can, you can Google it. All you have to do is look it up. You look up the net worth. No problem. I'll, I'll, I'll do that right after this podcast right away. But here's the thing. Uh, the Israel needs the PA and the PA needs Israel. Ever since 2005, when Abbas came to power, we have like an oligarchy, like Russia in the 90s. You have Abbas and you have Dahlan. Dahlan is the guy, he has his own military company and he's in the UAE right now. People are saying that he might come and take the power after Abbas is uh, donezo. Then you have Abbas, he just sits all day, doesn't do nothing. But who backs these people up? When the Palestinians rise up every time, who is the first country that backs up the PA? Israel. Because Israel and the PA have uh, uh, what you call it? An agreement. What's the agreement? You defend me. You keep the, my, the, the the Palestinians in check. Your people, your Palestinian groups, and whatnot, what not in check. And at the end of the day, we back you up no matter what. We keep you in power. That's the deal. We we could we, we could jiggle around it. We could add these nice slogans. That's the deal. Come well, on, do you, I, come on. I, That's the deal. The reason why they think that is because they don't. Israel doesn't know who the next government will be. Abbas has been in power forever. He's probably gonna die, but he's gonna stay in power until he's dead. And they feel, as much as they don't love Abbas, most Israelis hate the guy. They and, and Palestinians most too. Palestinians don't like him either. Is yeah. in, in mo much of the Arab world, and I don't know how, how for how many centuries it's been this way. When one dictatorship is ousted, another one takes its place. The problem, and I've said this to you, the problem with the Arab world to a large degree, and I think Arabs need to take accountability on this, is that as much as there is there is a warmth to Arab culture, there's a heavy amount of tribalism where there are always these different factions fighting each other for either for power or different different religious beliefs in terms of Alawis, Sunni, Shiites. You have a bunch of others I don't even know about. And they're constantly fighting. Now, is there, uh, like you always like to say, is there Western influence? Are there Western proxies or other proxies that change that and have massive influence? Sure. But whether or not you have that influence, this is unfortunately the way it is. Fatah and Hamas fought all the time. Uh, you have constant fighting in, in, in Palestinian cities. You have gang violence, gun violence all the time. That's whether whether or not we want to blame Israel on that, because you can at the end of the day, you can blame everything on Israel because that's what everyone likes to do. There's so much infighting, which is already a massive issue. So Israel is trying to figure out some sort of solution with groups that don't agree with each other. So you have Islamic Jihad, you have Hamas, you have Fatah, and sometimes they'll they'll work together, Islamic Jihad and and, and Hamas will work together in Gaza to some degree. Each one doesn't think the other one is extreme enough. The Palestinian Authority is the most, the, le the least extreme, 
Then you have Hamas, which is more extreme, and you can argue Islamic Jihad is the most extreme. And then maybe the lion's den is the most extreme of them all, but they don't have any power. They're a tiny little guerrilla group. So Israel's mm-hmm. these four, not even four, there's more than that because there are ISIS proxies, there are Iranian proxies, there are all these other, there's, there's Hezbollah on the border, you have, uh, uh, you have Syria, you have the Muslim Brotherhood, you have all mm-hmm. these groups that are fighting Israel simultaneously, and they all disagree with each other on which one is the most extreme and which ones the real, which ones are the real Muslims. And I'm looking at this and saying, Israel, with all of our different answers, you know, we have Sephardim, Ashkenazim, pretty much, I mean, mostly what it is. And then you obviously have some converts and people from different groups. We have disagreements, but we aren't taking up arms and killing each other. There were instances in history where Jews killed each other. In the modern state of Israel, for an extremely long time, maybe since the establishment, Jewish Jewish Israelis are not killing each other. It's extremely, extremely hold on, hold on, extremely mm. rare. So that to me is a very a very telling thing. It says a lot, and I think at the end of the day, man, what what needs to happen, and I don't have a I don't have a proper solution. That's the biggest challenge. Mm. Talk about mm. all of the challenges on both sides, the the amount of killings and the unju- injustices. The biggest mm. challenge is the solution. And at the end of the day, it is a very big worry that if we were to make one state, say we were to oust Hamas, Israel went in heavily on the ground, on the air. Unfortunately, civilians would die as a result. There's nothing we can do about that. Can't avoid that. Mm-hmm. But if, mm. if, if the Palestinian population in Gaza said, all right, Israel, we're done. We want Hamas out. Just take take over the land. We want our rights. And obviously, many of them would be afraid to do that because they wouldn't trust Israel to do that. But say mm-hmm. Say theoretically it happened. Hamas, mm-hmm. was out of, Hamas was out of power. The leaders were killed. They were t- they were taken over. Israel now runs Gaza. If they are given equal voting rights, there's always a fear from Israelis that not only are they going to become the majority, which is a big concern, and that they can start to vote in ways that benefit them. So the biggest challenge now is that we have just as about just as many Palestinians as we have Israelis, and that creates. That's why very- we try for two state. It makes sense. That's the, why you put them in their own country and Israel's are the majority. That's a perfect solution. The challenge with the two-state is that there are a lot of people on both sides who are not okay with that. So the challenge for this, and this is why right-wing Israelis, quite honest, and, and by the way, I consider myself right-wing. The, mm-hmm. reason why, the reason why right-wing Israelis are not okay with the two-state solution is because they're worried at the end of the day. And try to. I think you're a very logical person. You're hearing mm-hmm. me. The reason why so many Israelis are concerned about a two-state solution is that they feel that if they concede land, say now it's 50-50, which, which is obvious, it's theoretical, right? 50 okay. land is, is Palestinian, 50% of the land is Israeli, whatever okay. happens, we come to some sort of agreement on paper, and everyone okay, okay. does this. There are going to be people on both sides who are absolutely, vehemently opposed Radical. to Understood. There are people who are extremely opposed to the idea. My personal opinion is this: We fought for the land. The Jews fought. The Jews and Arabs, and the Jews won. The victor gets to call the shots. The victor. We 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 now won. All's fair in love and war. Right now, I get. Okay, that. that's fine. Now, that's on. fine. You're the victor. Yeah. Okay. Now, hold on. I know mm-hmm. people in the live or people after the live are going to hear this and be like, "Oh." But you, you you took the land and now you won and you think you could just do whatever you want on Palestinian land. Obviously, they're going to say that. This is how the history of the world works. When Islamic conquest, and I think it's different because we had no interest in converting you or, mm-hmm. or taking swaths of land. Mm-hmm. So it is mm-hmm. different. We just want our own state. We want a little tiny state. We want people to leave us alone call it a day. And I know it sounds – there's tons of people in the comments who are going to start going crazy. 
I already know. Like whenever I make these statements, I've watched so many videos since I was a kid on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I, I, I'm so used to what pro-Palestinians will respond to every single thing I say. I'm already mm -hmm. for it, but I can't answer everything. And I can sit. The problem is you actually, and by the way, you posted, I, I was, I actually said this to a few people. I, I took it out as a segment. I'm, I'm just going to like call you out on this a little bit. Okay, and call I, me out. I don't care. I understand your sentiment. I get why you felt this way, but you look like an absolute nut job. You posted, you posted a video with, with, with Adam Saleh at, at a Palestinian protest uh, in New York. Yeah. And you yeah. were foaming at the mouth, man. You look like you had rabies. And you were, you were, you were, you were yelling about how you're going to die for Al-Aqsa. And, and, and part of me is like, No, okay, no, there's a context to it. There's a context. On, no, no, no. See on. that guy? He's, he's throwing hold everything out of context. Okay, but wait a second. I want to explain. If you could hold let me explain it. I'll let you explain it, but I want to make, I just okay. want to. As much as you have this absolute crazy love for, for the land, the same way I do, and I understand that you were emotional in the moment and you feel that everything you're saying is completely just Al-Aqsa Mosque is everything to you. It's you're a religious Muslim. It's it's you'll you are willing to die for it. I, I get it. I get it. But if you're going to if, if you're on video, you look you literally look like you're about to blow up a bus. I'm just telling you what's up. I'm just are you no, 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 no. See, there's a big difference. No, no, let me respond. Let me respond. No, 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 no. I have to stop it right there. I, I, here's the response. I said, defend, right? So if someone comes and they try to destroy the mosque, the Israeli politicians have said, I have to defend it. That doesn't mean go and blow up a, a bus killing civilians. No, I, I, I'm against that. I'm a Muslim. I'm not a freaking uh, coward. That's what cowards do. Cowards go on buses and, 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 and blow themselves up and kill civilians. I'm not like that. I know we have an Arabic saying, wujjah la wujjah, face to face. I, if the Israeli soldier or a settler comes and try to destroy my, the Masjid al-Aqsa, yeah, I will fight them. Even and I will defend it to the to the death of me. Ask any 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 person, religious person, Muslim, Christian, Jew, if they're willing to defend their holy sites. They're willing to defend it. If someone came and attacked the Wailing Wall, if, if Hamas or Hezbollah or anybody tried to go attack the Wailing Wall and the Jews are defending it, that's that's common sense. So this guy who said that I'm a terrorist, I'm not a terrorist. Me, I want to defend my holy site because it has Islamic significance to me, and everybody with a brain would understand that, and every Muslim would do that. I'll go to any Muslim who is orthodox and practicing. They will defend their holy sites. doesn't matter. Now, does that mean go and kill civilians? No, I'm against that, 100%. Just to keep the record straight. To keep the record straight, I, I, I'm against killing civilians no matter what. I'm talking about if the army or settlers like Ben Gavir and the other politicians start coming into, and Ben Shapiro, start coming into Mishra Al-Aqsa and they want to destroy it and they have weapons and bulldozers, I will be there. I will be there and it's either, gonna, either I'm going to be six feet under or they're going to go six feet under or both. That's what uh, I mean. I'm defending it. That's what I mean. Not offensive. Most Defensive. Most Israelis do not give a shit. Uh, would they prefer that Al-Aqsa wasn't there and that we had the temple? Maybe to some degree. Most Israelis are not interested in all of this ideology. I, I, I tell you that with absolute certainty. They want their jobs. They're digging They're tunnels. They're digging tunnels since 1967. They're digging tunnels. We have a settler, not a settler, an Australian guy. He tried to blow it up in 1969. So there has been oh, plots, in my opinion. First of all, listen, I'm not saying they don't exist, but it's it's a two-side thing. The same way you have radicals on, on the Israeli side, you have radicals on the Palestinian side. They're, it's all a matter of what you stand behind religiously. And this is why, man, this is quite frankly, and I and I love being a Jew, and I'm very proud of it, and I, I say right here on the As podcast... As you should. I say right here on the podcast that I'm right-wing. I, I consider myself mm -hmm. a Zionist, even though I think people don't understand what Zionist means. Um, and like I say, I'll reiterate. The idea of Zionism because everyone likes to paint it as this Nazi idea, and you probably, you might still think that. Our understanding, 
we determine Zionism for what it is. And whatever bad things that happened, I don't, I'm not okay with. Mm-hmm. We understand it as it's, it's Zion, Zioni. Zion mm-hmm. is salvation. We, since the, since we were kicked out of Israel, we have mm-hmm. had a, and a, and a, and a desire to come back. Come back. Mm-hmm. Every prayer we have, it says, Lishana Ababi Yerushalayim. It's next year in Jerusalem. We say that every single time, all the time. It is, it, we, most Jews have a picture of Jerusalem on their wall. It's just as important to us as it is to you. And another thing I want to point out, because you, you and I have spoken about this, mm-hmm. everyone that that is against Israel always likes to, to paint that colonialist picture. And mm-hmm. always, whenever the media companies, whenever these media branches come out to Israel in a video, they always video Israelis that have lighter skin, like me, right? I, I, have, I have very light skin. So they always there are Israelis who are darker. I know, the Ethiopians, the... Uh, <laughs> you know this. I'm talking to the people watching this. Yeah. If you go to Israel, most Jews are very dark. They are brown, they are black, they have very dark skin. They look just like the Palestinians. I can usually tell them apart. Not always. Sometimes they look extremely similar. Sometimes you confuse them. But typically, and I sent you the picture of my friend I was in the army with. He looks just as Palestinian. looks Palestinian. Mm-hmm. You you look more Israeli than he does, by the way. <laughs> okay, I know you hate that. Let me Here. tell you a little joke. I went, I went to pray Masjid Laksa in Fajr time. One second. And the soldiers stopped. Yeah, tell me. One second. The point is, from from even most Arabs, your your Palestinian friends in Brooklyn, because I see some of them were looking at my stories. They if they went to Israel, I'm sure some of them have been there. Okay, they call it Palestine, whatever you want to call it. Okay. If they go there, they will not be able to tell the difference. If you see, if if they're if the Israelis are not wearing a kippah and the Muslims aren't wearing, if they're just if they're wearing jeans and t-shirts, very tough to tell them apart. Especially more of like the gangster soccer kind of kids, twenty-two-year-old dude Adidas tracksuit, you cannot tell the difference. Both have a cigarette in their mouth. They're both loud and aggressive. You can't tell the difference until they open their mouth. Um, and that's the funniest thing is that they're always anti-Israel media is always trying to push. Every single Israeli is some white American that just settled there and blah, blah, blah. It's not the case at all. So that's something that people have to get out of their heads. And uh, if we can do that, I think that that would make things a lot more different than trying to paint this narrative that every Israeli is some European from Staten Island. Um, now, there, I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but that's already a very, a very good point. But yeah, go on. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I I don't see. Here's the thing. Obviously, there's nuance, right? You said there's Mizrahi Jews, Black Jews. Obviously, that's 100 true. But here's the thing: when you have, like, two years ago, a guy coming and saying, "Oh, someone doesn't steal it. If I don't steal it, someone else is gonna steal it." Like, what do you? He said it. We didn't say it. We didn't put words in his mouth. He said it himself. The big seller. Okay. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. Here's the thing. The problem isn't Jews living in the land. The problem is. They get the Jews with a Palestinian perspective. And we're going to end with this. That self-determination, their self-determination comes at the cost of our self-determination, our rights. There's a cost to everything. To gain something, something has to give. To get something, somebody has to take and take and leave something, you know? There's there's a cost. And what's the cost? The Palestinians. And the Palestinians, I met this Palestinian philosopher. He said, why are we paying for the sins of Germany and France and all these countries that oppress the Jews? We didn't do, he's talking about prior to 1948. Why are we paying for their sins? The sins of Germany and sins of France and Germany and the United States. Germany, Anas, you have to understand that that's why, that's what constantly all they do, because because the Ashkenazi Jews were the founders of the state, you disregard all the Sephardic and Mizrahi oppression. As Jews, 
at this point, we, we're a collective, and that's the be- beautiful part of Israel, is we don't care what color skin, we all consider ourselves family, and we look at it as, as an ultimate oppression. The Nazi mm-hmm. oppression was the worst one of them all, and that's why we kind of put that, we put that as the highlight of, of Jewish persecution. But we look at it all as we were all oppressed, and we were willing to do whatever it took to finally have a state. And unfortunately, in doing so, there was murder, there were killings, and Palestinians were pushed out. Now, again, to, to go back, if there was more of an agreement from the Arab world to actually work something out because you weren't the rulers at the time, maybe we would have been in a better position. Maybe. I don't know. I believe that this is part of God's plan. As fucked up as it is, I believe this is part of God's plan. I have no idea what will, what will transpire in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I couldn't tell you. I definitely want something, want there to be peace to some degree. But at the end of the day, man, the, the sentiment on both sides, you have, a lot of Israelis might be listening to this being like, why are you even talking to this guy? Fuck the Palestinians. Same thing on my side. Same thing right. on my side. Kill, Vice versa. All, kill them all. They're all terrorists. Get rid of them. They, both sides are saying that, right? Your people are going to be like, why are you talking to this IDF soldier, this terrorist, killing kids? Fuck him. Kill the whole, kill, kill them all. Take it back. Blah, blah, blah. It's happening on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. It, very closed-minded mindset. It's it's confirmation bias. This is this is how most humans think. Most humans are sheep, so they, they hear what they want to hear, and there's no there's no willingness. Nuance. Room for nuance or open-mindedness. Right. So hold on. The beautiful mm. part is that if you're intelligent enough and mature enough to sit down with somebody on the opposing side and be able to have a discussion, first of all, you can actually learn something. I've learned from you, and hopefully, you learn from me. And mm. be that you can actually understand whether your beliefs are true beliefs. Or whether you were just kind of thrown these ideas by your parents and you put up a wall in front of you and anything you hear that opposes your ideas, you automatically shut down. And that happens all the time on both ends is that people, Muslims typically, it's like a game of color war. Most Muslims by default support Palestine because to them it's like, well, they're my Muslim brothers. I don't care what they did wrong to the Jews. They are right, period, end of story. And the, mm-hmm. and the Jews mostly feel the same way because neither most of us on both sides don't have enough of a knowledge on what went on. The people who have the most knowledge of what went on are the people that have been living there for, for the last hundred years. 70 to hundred years. Yes. They actually know, and not, not even all of them know all the fine details, but they know the most, but all the Jew, most American Jews, most American Arabs, most Middle Eastern Arabs, all they have is the picture they've been painted and that's all they know. So, we can have this discussion for weeks, me, you and I. I don't have an ultimate solution. I do believe I'm not a, a very religious person. That's my own prerogative between me and God. I believe in God very much. Mm. It's just, that's my own you know, thing to figure out. I have my whole life to figure that out. What, what, I, what I, I, I do hope we can somehow work something out because it's, if you look at it from an outside perspective and you step back at it, if you and I didn't have this difference, if you were French and I was uh, British, <laughs> we wouldn't give a sh- none of this would matter because it wouldn't be relevant to us. And we'd go have a coffee and call it a day, c'est la vie. The only reason why, and, and you and I are actually having perfectly fine conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's just silly when you think about it because this is what the world has been built on all the time. There, there will be conflict. There's been conflict before us. There will be conflict after us. If, if, if the Pal- Hold on. If the Palestinians and Israelis... Mm-hmm somehow come up with a solution some other country 10 years later is going to have a fight about something it's un- it's unfortunate we've come a long way as a, as a species in certain respects other respects we've gone mm-hmm. down and you we agree on that we've talked about this 
but we can agree on but 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 to to a large degree it's like we're it uh, it's tough it's tough man it's tough but but people are always gonna people are always gonna prioritize their family first and i think that's that's also a big challenge it's like palestinians want equal rights in israel say that we we annexed everything and took it all palestinians want equal rights but as a Jewish state, the Jews are pro- are going to be prioritized, and I think that the Arabs are going to kind of have to see the logic. Like, for instance, the Druze, right? Now I know you see them as traitors, yada yada. The Druze understand that they're not the priority group in Israel, but they don't really. But their rights are secured. They don't. They have. They're living a decent life. You know what? They they that's it's like that. First of all, it's like that because they're a very small group, and Israel isn't threatened by them because they're a very tiny minority. If, if the Palestinians were a tiny minority, by the way, this would be a much easier solution. If there were like, you know, 200,000 Palestinians in the entire region, Israel would be like, all right, yeah, all right, let's just take it all back, live under us, call it a day. Because there are millions, that's where it gets tricky. So with the Druze, there's such a small number of them. They're loyal to Israel. They join the military. They don't, they don't do crimes. I mean, maybe they do some, but very minor. They don't bother Israelis. Israelis respect them. They have very well-taken-care-of villages. Um, they have Israeli flags. You drive into a Druze village, they have Israeli flags hung up. They have Druze flags hung up. Israelis can go into their villages. Nobody touches them. Everybody gives them hugs. Um, and, and just from a human perspective, if we were able to do that on both sides, it would be a lot easier. And by the way, there were periods where Israelis and Arabs used to shop at each other's spots in the West Bank. There were, there were I was told in the 80s. In the 80s, family. I was told. I was there and my family used to go into Arab villages. They used to go shopping there. They used to buy bread and other things. And they were fine. Here's yeah. the thing. I'm going to end with this. At the end, you need two things to succeed. A nation, I read the whole historical process. Nations fall because they're unjust and they're corrupt. If Israel becomes a, a just nation and they treat everybody equal under the law and everyone has his rights is secured, Israel will have a long uh, existence. I'm saying this as a Palestinian. And I want and the Israeli government, if they want to succeed, if I was an Israeli, follow the your the role model of Prophet David and Solomon. Why would it was Israel a superpower? In the Quran, it says Israel used to be a superpower in the Middle East. Why? Because they ruled with justice. In the Quran, it says Dawood, we made you the caliph of the Ard. Why? So you could ensure justice, keep justice. That's key. If Israel does not become a just country. I'm telling you as a person who the Ottoman Empire collapsed, the Umayyads collapsed, the Abbasids collapsed, Soviet Union collapsed, Nazi Germany collapsed, and America is now collapsing because justice and the people's will is not secured, both eternal and external. So if Israel wants to become a just nation, through justice, you'll have peace. You cannot have one or the other. Like I said in my video, as-salam, mission is Islam. Peace, not submission. That's what we, the Arabs, are telling Israel. We are ready for peace, but a just peace. A peace where everyone's rights is secure and everyone has equal rights and their holy sites is protected, their religious rights is protected, and their personal individual rights and societal rights is protected. That's what we want from this, inshallah. I, I, uh, I think that's great. I, but again, many, many people don't, don't agree with you. I think maybe in theory they do, but that's really the thing is that we've, we've been doing this for so long that there's a massive lack of trust. There's been so. I think my belief is this: the world will go. And this is why I think this way. I think that there needs to be human work 
people have to actually do things to, to kind of move the balls in a certain direction. But at the end of the day, God's going to do what's, what he plans anyhow. You know what I'm saying? Like, the way things are supposed to be will be. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of funny. It's just funny when you think about it that we're such a similar group. We're such a similar group, and that's the biggest fuckery of it all. It's like, like I've mentioned, you have, you have Palestinians that are very brown, and then when I used to do checkpoints, you had Palestinians that were lighter than me. They had blue eyes, blonde hair. We come in all shades. And I'm look what? We come. In- and I'm look and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And um, mm-hmm. but that's it's funny though. That's how kind of that's how the world works. It's a weird thing. But yeah, there's a lot. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, listen. you're losing. You're losing your your internet, man. You you mind going back wherever you are so I can. Hold on. You hear me now? Yeah, but you're all like pixelated. I can't really see. Okay, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. I'm gonna make this quick. <coughs> Funny, by the way, people out. were probably <laughs> expecting us. We had disagreements. People were probably expecting and hoping that you and I were gonna start cursing each other out. But that, a boxing match. They wanted a boxing yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, like, that's going to happen. The reason why we're not doing that is because we both know a lot. If it, the, usually, yes, both usually you have a lot more of a boxing match when one side doesn't know that much or the other side don't know that much or, or they're just yeah. incredibly emotional. Um, I think I think I've had my emotional moments 100% and clearly you have from that video. <laughs> and you still do. And you still do. You and I are being cordial. We have a, a, a mutual respect, but at the same time, we both because we're intellectual people. <laughs> Listen, man, I get it. And the thing is, we both also understand that we both love our our country. We both have this love for the land, right? It's just yeah, and, and it's and it's funny because again, I'll re I'll go back to this. Israelis mm-hmm. watching this might look at me and say like, "Oh, what are you a leftist now?" Which is so stupid because it's like I made it clear many, many, many times that I'm not. You're on the right, but yeah. but you know people could think what they think. It's just for me, yeah. the same way I'm willing to defend my side, you're willing to defend yours, and I have a certain respect mm-hmm. for that. So ultimately, man, what will be will be. So yeah, Anas, thank you for coming. I appreciate. Because we should do another episode, man. I'm yeah. open to do another episode, and just for context, man. Look, people are gonna take videos. They're gonna they're doing this to entertain, taking everything out of context. At the end of the day, yeah. people need to understand the context and need to be open-minded and talk about it, not just take a specific clip or get a story and just, you know, put it like, oh, this person is a terrorist or whatever. But like I told you, man, it's nice being on your podcast. Hopefully you could come on my podcast next time. We'll have a good discussion. Uh, more than happy to, man. Have a good one. All take right. care. See you, man. Bye.